when it's all said and done in the class of 2023, is Miami going to finish with a top five class? Don't take my word for it. Let's ask an expert. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. There's a lot of justified excitement among Hurricanes fans with just the volume of four and five star verbal commits Miami's been landing. Right now, the seventh ranked class in 2023. We know there's still a long way to go, right? And it's not just for Miami, there's a long way to go because there are a ton more players that you are targeting. But, you know, you also have to factor in schools like Alabama and Ohio State and LSU and Georgia and Florida are not done, you know, bringing in their classes. So, is this really going to be a year? Because I didn't think it would happen this quickly, right? First full recruiting cycle for Mario Cristobal. Miami's trending right now towards a top five class. Could they actually finish with a top five class? Let's bring on very good friend of ours, director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated, John Garcia Jr. First of all, John, before I start hitting you with these hard questions, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Just uh, just trying to keep up with all these Kane commitments. We wrote uh a national feature on, on Cristobal's hot run. And I was like, we need to get this up at like 6 a.m. because there could very well be another commitment or two by the time we waited until the lunch hour. So, yeah, it's it's been red hot uh, down in, at Miami. There's, there's really no other way to put it. Well, and it's perfect that that piece just came out because I, I think this ties in very well with that. Um, you know, the, there certainly is now a very prevalent thought among Hurricane supporters that, this is going to end up being what's right now a top seven class could end up being a top five class. Could you see it playing out that way, John? I could, uh, you know, I, I think you have to have the perfect storm. At least it just depends on how you rank. I, I want to put that out there. So at SI, we rank players subjectively. So we rank classes subjectively, not the case across the board. A lot of mathematics, formulas, algorithms, and stuff that is a little bit I prefer your my... way, by the way. I, I prefer, I honestly, I prefer the subjective because like the, because math can be also subjective at the end of the day. Right. And you don't want to reward volume for the sake of rewarding volume. Right. So like right. Notre Dame's had the number one class on certain networks for like six months because they've had like 18 commits for six months. So, I mean, something like that shouldn't stand. Now this Notre Dame class is very good and it might be number one, but it shouldn't just be because they just got off to the strongest start in the cycle. But Having said that, you have to have the perfect storm in, in our methodology when it comes to team recruiting rankings. One, you've got to hit the premium positions, quarterback, offensive tackle, pass rusher, cornerback, interior defensive line. We know that is the plan for Miami. I mean, heck, them and Alabama are the only two with two quarterback classes and both quarterbacks for each program look pretty darn good. So, so that box is checked without a doubt. Offensive tackle is going to be the strength of maybe this entire recruiting class for Miami when all is said and done. I know we'll talk about some other guys that could join, but obviously when Francis Maui go is kind of the starting point, about as good as it could get at that position. And then you look at 
the targets that remain and the needs that Miami has and team needs filling the, the obvious ones are another big factor in, in how we rank uh, college programs on the recruiting trail. And the people who get the benefit of the doubt in that part of the ranking are the new coaching staffs because there are needs everywhere. Basically, you're going to go trench heavy, and, and we, we know Miami's going to do that. I would imagine 10 guys in the trenches could, could be in this class before all is said and done, talking O-line and D-line. But then you're going to fill out from there, and, and we know Miami's uh, going to have a balanced group when all is said and done. So that benefit of the doubt is like built in to the Canes already. So I think a lot of those boxes are starting to get checked. And then some of those are going to be written in Sharpie, particularly mm -hmm. the offensive line class. I, I do think if you bring in the best O-line class in the country, you're already in that conversation to me. It, it is that important. And we're expecting that much from the U at this point. So you look at the other contenders and Miami's right in the thick of it. I know Texas is going to be well up there. Ohio State, Notre Dame are going to be well up there. Like you mentioned earlier, Bama's coming. That's that's just a matter of of when and not if. But really beyond that, there's no obvious fifth school that you're like, oh man, they're, they're going to be there. Clemson always stays, you know, more conservative from a number standpoint. They've got 17 commits right now. How many more are they really going to push for before all is said and done? Um, Texas A&M is not going to follow up that number one class with another number one class. Um, maybe Georgia and LSU can can push later in the cycle and challenge for top five status. But I, I would get close to saying, barring decommitments, the unexpected, et cetera, with the targets ahead for Miami, a top five class, it, it's not a lock, nothing is. But a top five class feels all but certain at this point, uh, you know, mid-July, oh. during this run, it feels like it's going to happen. And again, by our metric, the, the first two main boxes are in bold, checked in bold for Miami already. So that's really hard to, to go back on. So I think the Canes are going to be in great shape when we open the rankings next month. And they're going to stay in that top five range all the way through, in my opinion. Well, people needed to hear John say it because they know I'm biased. Like, yeah, so, some of you love me, but you know I'm very biased towards Miami, so we needed to get an outside opinion on that. And, yeah, talking about checking off the offensive tackle box, uh, Miami has Maui Goa in, who was rankings-wise the biggest prize, top tackle in the country from the 24-7 composite. And they are working on the number three tackle in the country in Samson Okunlola, who's getting those – Crystal balls coming in left and right for Miami. We're also seeing crystal balls come in for Olaus Alinen, who's a four-star, excellent tackle. So it's like people keep asking me, like, how many tackles can they take in one class? Uh, what are you expecting from Samson and Olaus? Do you think uh, they end up coming in? And what can you tell me about these players? There's no doubt that it's trending that way. You know, I think Samson is a little bit more... Uh, unconfirmed in terms of when he wants to decide. And I think that could make things interesting. We know his list is as good a list as there is. There, Alabama's there, Georgia's there, Ohio State's there, Miami's there. I mean, that is a, Oregon is there. It is a list. Uh, and, and I think the sooner he does it, probably the better for Miami. And there is talk. He, he spoke to, to our local affiliate, All Hurricanes. There is talk that he could wrap this thing up sooner than he expected meaning in the summer months before he kicks off his senior season up in Massachusetts. If that becomes more of a reality, you got to feel really good about where Miami stands. Georgia, probably the primary cont contender on the short term. If it stretches to December and national signing day, that's where, depending on how the board shakes out for some of these other schools, you expect Alabama, Ohio State to become, you know, 
trending contenders uh, for Oak and Lola. But I think Miami's got staying power here either way. And I think that is where, again, it's the difference between a team that's just trending in the offseason, which we've seen Miami do in, in previous years, not to this degree, but we've seen them trend. Um, it's the difference between that and, and then staying power of holding on to that as the season starts, as the games get going, as you get closer to signing day. That's to me, that's the Mario Cristobal difference, the closing element of Cristobal. We saw it. Uh, what do you have? Nine days between getting hired and signing day. And, and he brings, you know, he flips Nigel Kelly from Florida State. He brings in Cyrus Moss from the West Coast. I mean, he he splashed in days. So with a full cycle, you expect him to continue to, to close well. So I think Oak and Lola, either way, you're in good shape if you're Miami fans. But but the sooner the better if he does want to make that choice. Um, and then with Allen, and I feel like he is going sooner rather than later. And again, we bring up Alabama. That's been like Miami's main recruiting rival here lately. They were in it for Maui Goa. They were in it for Popo Aguirre. Um, they were in it uh, for for Oak and Lola uh, and Allen. And they were sort of the leader for. I, I think once we got into the, the new year and the spring months. It was kind of like, okay, Bama's locking in on, on, on this kid from, from up in prep school in Connecticut, uh, originally from uh, Finland, of course. But then he just he took that official visit to Miami. One of the first he took, his parents flew in from Europe, and the reflective properties of Miami to Europe when it comes to diversity, food, that international feel, things to do, all of that stuck with them. They stayed uh, longer than expected after an official visit, which is a very rare deal in college football recruiting. I know Alan in this week on, on social media was working out in Miami gear ahead of another trip to the, to the state of Florida. So, I mean, th this is, it's tangible at this point with Alan and, and, and to overcome Alabama in that short amount of time, I do think it is a very big deal. So even if you split here for Miami, you, you get one of the two, you're pairing, again, maybe the best tackle in the country in Maui Goa with another one who can absolutely compete with him for that spot one day or counter him on the other side of the line as a right tackle because both Oak and Lola and Allen and bigger, longer prospects than Maui Goa is. So it's a good problem to have for the U. And again, I think you have the makings of what could be the number one O-line class in the country, you know, and that that moves a ton of needles on its own. It's one of these things, and I haven't really dug deep enough to confirm it, but if if Miami is able to land all these targets we're talking about, um, it could end up being their best O-line class ever. I, I think it's it's trending that way. And, yeah, and there's I, other I did, guys, too. Yeah. Tommy Peyton Kinsler. Kirkland, Tommy Kinsler's a matter of when and not if, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. you, get to, you start to wonder just how many spots exist or, or there's going to be transition with some of these other guys. That's again, that's when you're talking, that's Alabama, Georgia level, AM level stuff where you're like, we might have to process a guy. I mean, it, it's early for that, but it's something that has come up in a couple group chats I'm in. And, and that's not something I expected in, in mid July. Well, and something like a kind of a tactical question for you, because this was brought up to me. And it just, when you first say it, it's going to sound crazy to some people because we're talking about the top tackle commit in the country. But isn't it? possible that Francis Maui Goa, if need be, could move to guard because he's got some characteristics there. He's great at pulling. And I know it's like, whenever you talk about top tackle, why would he move to guard? He's the top tackle. But uh, I, I think he's more than capable of being best guard in the country. Yeah, he would He would definitely be there. I actually pro to project him as a Tyler Booker comp. Uh, Tyler Booker was an IMG guy who played tackle last year. 
But at Alabama, he's going to play inside at least first. Uh, and I yeah. think Maui Goa has some of those same characteristics. He looked up to Tyler. That was kind of his big bro mentor type of guy. That's why Alabama was, was in that race for such a long time. So, yeah, you could see some of those same traits. Maui Goa doesn't have the height and length Oak and Lola and certainly Allen and have on the hoof. So, yeah, I think some of those methods to moving inside are, are usually playing time or making that business decision. And if Miami hits on both of these guys, let's let's play devil's advocate here. Yeah, I, I think moving inside or to right tackle is, is a legitimate possibility for Maui Goa. He wants to play tackle. Every kid says that and he means it and he can do it. He's so athletic, so physical, but he moves so darn well that there are a lot of the high floor guard traits within his game. And, and he's played it at, at IMG at a, a very high level too. So I do think that's a possibility. And, and that would be another kind of indicator of, of the embarrassment of riches that this class could be building towards. <laughs> well, you guys want to stick around because we have a ton more uh, recruits we want to talk about with John, including one of the top safeties in the country who's announcing in less than a week. And he's trending towards Miami, one of the top linebackers in the country, potentially trending towards Miami. Uh, and I do want to talk about one of the top defensive tackles, whether or not Miami could really be on his radar or not. But I want to talk about BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Guys, you can find all the latest sports developments, including college football futures, uh, Major League Baseball season, all of this at BetOnline. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores, and BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite teams and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, which stars move the betting lines the most in the NFL? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Our recruiting chats with John Garcia Jr. are brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day here on Locked On Canes. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Dono alongside the man himself, John Garcia Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, in less than a week's time, Jaden Bonsu, four-star safety out of New Jersey, uh, has scheduled his announcement. Miami has started trending and crystal balling heavily for this player. Do you agree with those trends? And what can you tell us about Bonsu? Because I, you know, the the endorsements for him are, are through the roof from what I've seen. Yeah, just a, a kind of a five-tool safety. One of those guys that you can play in deep coverage. He can come in and support the run with physicality, play that alley well, like like 90s or early 2000s type safety. But then he's got the length and and kind of football IQ to play man coverage. You know, he, you can line him up over a slot receiver, maybe a tight end, and he can contend. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that can do all of those things. And I think when it comes to recruiting, this is a great example here. Great player. Everybody recognizes it. But the trend of kids committing this summer has reshuffled 
a lot of boards, right? We weren't talking about Okanola to Miami a month ago. We weren't talking about Bonsu to Miami a month ago. Sometimes things just kind of break your way. And I do think that is one of these situations. Now, Miami did everything it should have with Bonsu. Got the first official visit, which we've talked about. That's a big deal in these summer months. He's a New Jersey kid. There's obviously natural connections to that area of the country and South Florida. All of that resonated, and the Canes started to make up ground in early June. But then he, he took trips to the school that really for a year has been linked to him in a trending manner, Ohio State. But here's the thing. He was originally slated to commit in August. And in the last four weeks, Ohio State is up to six DB commits. Whoa. At some point, we just talked about it with Miami on the offensive line. At some point, you're just saying no to great players because you're Ohio State and that's what you do every year. And I'm not saying that's exactly what happened with Bonsu, but the timing of his announcement and being so far away at the time allowed some other guys to kind of sneak in there. They flipped a Texas Tech commitment. They brought in uh, a former Georgia commitment. They, they got great players coming in in the secondary. Five of the six are over six foot. So a lot of those guys are going to be in safety type roles up in Columbus. So after those dominoes fall, Bonsu says, I'm moving it up to July 20th. And, and I think wow. that moment you're like, okay, the combination of that, the early official visit from Miami, and that longstanding recruitment since this staff took over starts to align for, for the Hurricanes to kind of, you don't want to say luck into one because there's no such thing in recruiting. You have to stay in that fight. But, yeah, there, there's a little bit of things that break your way at certain points um, in the sport, and, and you have to be in position to take advantage. Uh, so I think that's where, again, you talk about the organization approach or organizational approach and consistency of this staff recruiting, even a battle that seemed two months ago like very uphill, that's where it, it really shows that that it can pay off uh, when people don't expect it. And I think if and when he commits to Miami, that will be a great example of it. And that's one of the positions of need. We talk about the, the desire for a top five class. You got to be balanced and you got to fill positions of need. DB right now for the U is probably one of the biggest positions of need. We know they're going to hit D-line a little bit harder. O-line's taken care of. Uh, receiving room is going to be good at the end of the day. Uh, DB and D-line are kind of the next two frontiers. Um, linebacker was a, a couple days ago, but obviously that that box is a little bit closer to being checked with, with the latest commitment as well. When speaking of that, I, I had a laugh earlier this week because, you know, again, and you referenced it. We always talk about how important it is to have the first official visit or the last official visit. Miami gets a commit from Raul Popo Aguirre. He never took an official visit to Miami. That, that, that's really rare, right? Right, right. And that's where, again, the 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 main reason my SI editors wanted me to write this crystal ball piece, because they're like, what is different about the approach and and accomplishing what should be accomplished there? And I said, look, I'm from down there. The first thing that anyone will say about the new Miami coach, whatever his name is, is you got to keep local guys home. You, you got to recruit the crib, as they say. Uh, and Aguirre grew up in South Florida. It just it was one of the it's one of those things where, again, we talked about it with Bonsu, just kind of being organized and, and have that approach. He grew up in South Florida. So there was a, a long term, lifelong familiarity with the location, with the program itself. So maybe you didn't need to, to have that official visit, uh, but, but you still had to put in work behind the scenes. You know, I think Charlie Strong has has been criticized to a degree relative to the other, you know, guys on the staff that are just blowing up as soon as they they got down to the U. Uh, but now he focuses in and, and, and lands a really important battle because 
Popo had moved, has been in Georgia. That's where he's been playing. Um, and, and again, big time Alabama target, um, Ohio State, Georgia, all, all involved here. And, and I think the way he did it, I don't know if you saw the hat dance that he did. Oh, yes. He picked up two of them. And, and, and that second one was that Alabama hat was like on basically before he, he revealed uh, the Miami gear. I think one of his family members kind of gave it away first. That that's when Miami's at its best, that wrinkle, that um, attachment goes along with it. And I think uh, it was kind of the, the perfect way to do it. Cause like you said, no official visit. So optically, you know, kid from Georgia, no official. You're like, what in the world? People are throwing NIL accusations out there. It's like, how in the world did they do this? Well, it's like, well, kids from down here. Uh, took an unofficial in the spring and, and got the entire staff's attention when, when he was in town and, and it kind of never slowed down from there. So again, it's it's a different approach relative to the kid and, and he becomes the fifth South Florida native on this commitment list. Remember when Cristobal took over last year, Manny Diaz had one local recruit committed, uh, Besaint, right. the linebacker from Central. There's five already on board in this cycle for Cristobal and, and obviously a lot more targets, Ruben Bain, Chris Johnson, um, the linebacker from Killian, whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, the oh, other Stan linebacker. Quan Clark. Stan yeah, Quan. Stan Quan Clark. Yeah. A lot more local targets still in the board. Hakeem Williams is getting a little bit more conversation. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a strong number local in addition to splashing out West with Wayne and Rashada and Maui Goa and Riley Williams um, and, and then picking your spots thereafter. So yeah, it's, it's kind of all coming together. I'm trying to find a knock journalistically to, to balance myself, but it's, it's really not coming to mind. Well, and another linebacker target, not local, but kind of close to local up, but not in the 305 and the 407 is uh, Malik Bryant, who uh, he, he's been he's been trending decent amount to Miami. He's got, I think, a July 23rd announcement set there. What are you hearing about uh, his recruitment? That one has been uh, one of the toughest to track in the state. I think six months ago, uh, he's taken a bunch of visits to Florida, you know, or that Orlando uh, pipeline is 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 quick there up to Gainesville. He was an IMG kid as well. So, you know, they were starting to, to gain some ground there uh, with some IMG players. They had buzz six months ago. And then, you know, he takes his first trip to Alabama, I think, in the spring. And it's like everything's different. Bama, again, we keep bringing up Alabama. Like, who thought this would be the primary uh, contender for all these kids? Then he takes the trip to Alabama. And it's like, oh, man, Bama, Bama's overtaking Florida. This is the tides race to lose. And then other teams have sprinkled in here and there, but Miami's just kind of always been two or three on this list. And again, kind of like with Bonsu, you just kind of stayed the course. And then as this buzz has picked up and as again, the emphasis on in-state recruiting and local recruiting has all you know, apex together. And all of a sudden Miami's the school getting all the IMG kids, right? Three or four now committed to the Canes. Now those connections start to, to, to percolate from inside out, Francis Marigoa included. And now all of a sudden Miami's trending a, a whole lot more. I think he threw out a, a Miami picture that went crazy the other day on yeah, Twitter. And, and, and yeah, now it's like, uh-oh, here comes the U for a, another one. And again, it's, it's, it's big when you win for blue chip guys in general. But when you're beating Alabama, when you're going head-to-head -head with Florida for legitimate priorities and winning – kind of unanimously, you know, in, in some of these cases, it just adds umph to, to some of these commitments. Flipping Ray Ray from Clemson, it just adds a little bit more juice to that buzz. And that's why it's so palpable. And that's why, frankly, a lot of other fan bases are 
kind of pissed off right now. You know, we get so many questions on Locked on Canes, and you guys can follow us on Twitter. We will follow you back at Locked on Canes. We get so many questions about defensive tackle. I'm going to ask John when we come back. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts. Available free on YouTube. The show is free, man. Take advantage of that. Um, so for, first question for you, John, um, your take overall on this defensive tackle class, because one thing that I've noticed is a lot of the guys who are projected to play tackle are tweeners, like, you know, 265, 270 range. Bulk. Like, I, I don't seem to see so many of those, like, 310 pound mountains like nose tag like it seems to be more guys who are going to convert do, do you kind of get the same sense i do and i think it's a combination of, of a couple things one uh those tweeners are really good right david hicks quay russaw yeah Jaden wayne might be one of those guys when, when all is said and done although he'll tell you i'm an end i'm an end i'm an end um a combination of that and i think where the game is going right the modern game is you want on third down, you want four pass rushers with their hand in the dirt, including guys who are going to line up inside that even five years ago, you're like, no way. That's that's an edge prospect. But I think the modern game is is demanding more 275, 280 interior pass rushers as opposed to some of those mammoths that would just like collapse the pocket, uh, you know, like, like back in the day. Uh, so I do think that's part of it as well. But but yeah, not not a bona fide classic defensive tackle class there's no walter nolan in this class where you're like hey that's the guy we're done with this evaluation like let's move forward to to other positions or other players that guy might not be out there um but there's still some in that range uh that miami's in on and obviously hicks is is kind of at the forefront of that conversation you talk about he's like malik bryant wide open i mean one day you're like, man, it's going to be hard to pull him out of Texas. A&M feels good. Right. Goes up to Michigan State, loves it. Oregon loves it. Miami loves it. I mean, he's there's he's going to wear green in college, I think. It's just a matter of which, <laughs> which one of those three um, if he if he gets out of Texas. Uh, so it's, it's a really interesting long-term recruitment there, wide open. But, yeah, he's kind of the prize, especially among those remaining of, of those interior guys, especially with, with coaching staff that want – that pass rusher on the interior, which is again, desirable everywhere. Everybody's throwing more than they're running, right? We don't have to yeah. get into the analytics of it. So if you can rush from the interior, it's science. It's a quicker path to that quarterback in the pocket. So I do think that he has added value in a cycle like this, but we're seeing that as a trend in general on top of it. Last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, and you did bring up this name earlier, uh, Peyton Kirkland, the offensive tackle out of Orlando. And we've talked about this quite a bit this week because some people say that Kirkland and Malik Bryant, who are close, could be like a package deal that they want to go to the same place. Other people have told me they don't necessarily think that's the case. Uh, what have you heard about that? And and how is how is Miami trending with Peyton? They, they're trending for every offensive tackle, it seems like, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh... Definitely in that conversation, maybe at the forefront of, of, of the conversation. But yeah, him and Brian are tight. Uh, a long time ago, early spring, uh, him, uh, Malik Bryant, and Derek LeBlanc, three Orlando area guys, wanted to make this commitment on July 23rd together, the three of them. It wasn't going to be a package deal, but there was a sense that it could be a package deal. And if it was, it was going to be the Florida Gators, which were trending mm -hmm. earlier in the year for all three or, or the Miami Hurricanes, which were kind of the secondary school that has slowly chipped away at that perceived Gator lead. Um, 
something happened between the three. LeBlanc pulled out of, of that commitment plan. Um, but but Kirkland and Bryant have doubled down on it and, and have tried to make it this big deal. Um, and I do think it reflects some of, of their relationship traits. I do think that they're incredibly tight. I know Malik Bryant wanted to leave IMG to go play back in Orlando for his senior year. There's some Orlando pride there, but between those guys, and those are, I mean, three of the best prospects in the, in the state of Florida and certainly from Orlando. So, yeah, I do think there's some package deal nature, but, but this is the difference. Six months ago, package deal, probably a Gator, maybe a Kane. Now, if it's a package deal, all Canes. You know, I think that's where you see the dramatic shift in, in, in this recruitment. I think the number – if the Canes are trending for Kirkland, the top threat is Oklahoma. It's no longer Florida. Mm. That, that ship has, has really sailed o- over a long stretch. And with Bryant, we talked about it. Alabama emerged as, as maybe the primary contender uh, along with Miami over the last three or four months. So – yeah, now it looks like if it's a package deal, it's, it's going to be green and orange. And if it's not, um, they, they might both still say no to Florida, which is which was a far cry from, from six months ago. So, yeah, I think they're tight. Um, I, I don't know if they'll pick the same school. I don't know if they want – they might both want to pick the same school, but there's a certain mm-hmm. – that's my drift here. Spots mm-hmm. are limited, um, particularly okay. with the offensive line. So I do think that's going to make it – quite interesting here in uh, in just over a week for, for another round of, of big-time commitments in this state. This, this is the type of insight we can only get from John. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Check out his work in Sports Illustrated. SI is on top of this stuff. And I, I like the way I like the way that you guys use more you use more subjective actual watching guys versus just math. Like it, something I really appreciate. Uh, so make sure you check out John's work. Thank you so much, John. We'll talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me back on. I love it. Hey, get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen. All right, we will talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Don't go too crazy, but go a little crazy. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Uh, I will not have, well, I might if a, if a recruit drops. You know, sometimes we do Saturday specials. If We'll do an emergency episode if something crazy happens. Otherwise, we'll talk to you on Monday for another Locked On Canes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.